welcome to Navigating Change from Tybal Inc. My name is Pete Wright. Thanks for downloading. What you're about to hear is part two of the conversation we had between Howard Tybel and John Eldert, VP of Administration for Berklee College of Music in Boston, on strategic planning in higher education. If you missed part one, make sure to visit tybelinkcom slash podcast to get caught up and subscribe to the show. We'll be posting the final two parts of our conversation with John in the coming weeks. Without further ado, I'm thrilled to present our conversation with John Eldert and Howard Tybel on Building Your Vision 2020. So, John, what you just uh, what, what you what you're telling us here is uh, what I think we all agree on is that words matter, and in fact, some of the greatest confusion in uh, that comes in the planning process in setting a vision is the fact that you know organizations don't share the same meaning for the words that they're tossing around in the process. Uh, so, I, I suppose the next question is, uh, how do you? How do you actually nail down those words inside your organization and get people moving in the right direction? How do you put all these pieces together to get the process started? I think, Pete, it's really important that the words have to be accessible to the people using them. And so we have to ultimately arrive at a shared understanding of each word. And it may be slightly different than any one individual is carrying around with them, but as long as we can agree to use the words in the same way, we can now have a conversation, as Howard was talking about earlier. So when you start with a vision as the place to begin to try and get shared understanding, the first thing that pops in your mind is, well, what are the goals of the organization that I see in that vision? And a goal is a future state. And the question is, future state of what exactly? Well, a future state of something that's really important to me, that matters to me in that, in that future. So if you thought about it as a movie, for example, and I don't know, I've talked about it, well, you can do this as a symphony, you can do it as a movie, you can do it as all kinds of things, but they all carry the same attributes. Uh, I've got this complex reality that I'm trying to either write down as a musical score, or I'm trying to write it down as a screenplay, in order that the people who execute that movie, that screenplay, know their parts. They know how to play, they know how to play in concert with each other such that when you see the finished product, you see Berkeley in 2020 or MIT in 2020, you understand the complexity of it, how the pieces fit together, and probably more importantly, how your piece, the piece that you're most closely responsible or related to, fits into all the other pieces. So we have to come up with a set of definitions for goals that capture the essence of an educational institution and all of its richness. And so Howard and I have been talking about, well, gee, if I was a trustee and somebody you know, asked me, well, what is it that I should know? I think most trustees would answer, well, gee, you know, I should know, well, how good are our students? I should know, now, how good is our or is our program, our developmental initiatives? What are we are we providing value to our kids? I, I'd like to know. I think you know my finance committee, investment committee know. I want to know what's the state of our resources. What do we have to work with to bring those kids here to give them the best learning experience? Another thing I'd want to know is how well connected is this institution, all of its culture. I mean, is this a team of educators and administrators? and faculty who are embedded in a global culture, or is this a, a very regional, 
a self-contained community. Um, and so there's, there's a whole spectrum of connectedness there, of cultural attributes, of, of community relationship attributes, rather. And then the fifth theme in evolving a movie into uh, goal frameworks is how does this place feel as I'm in it, watching it, working with it? What are the cultural attributes of this educational community? So again, what kind of students, what kind of program, what kind of resources, what kind of relationships, and what kind of culture? And those five themes are really like the pillars upon which the whole edifice is constructed. I'm, I'm curious if you could talk, just extrapolate a little bit on how you are you know, how you are defining these attributes. I mean, are you measuring against some sort of baseline that you've set? Are you looking at some sort of a, a, across the, you know, this, uh, across other universities as a, a, you know, comparing, you know, certain statistics? Are you looking at, you know, how you're, uh, how, you how you rate against similar institutions? Or are you looking really only internally at, at uh, you know, how you trended over time? Well, you're actually doing all of that. And, and the question is, what is the tool that you're using right. to do that objectively? So you have to have standard definitions for different metrics that capture the essence of your students or capture the value of your program or the nature of your relationships. And that's why, uh, having been working with this for a long time, I believe that there's a fairly standard set of definitions floating around out there. Most enrollment management people have a pretty well-developed set of student attributes. Do they measure year to year? They measure against each other. They measure against global competition even. And they consist of uh, demographic attributes about age or their ability to afford education or their academic preparation, uh, gender, ethnicity, uh, co-curricular interests, uh, motivations. And so admissions people do this today they probably, I would guess, probably have an 80 to 85 percent coincidence in what they measure and roughly how they measure it. You know, graduation uh, ranking in high school in their in their uh, college board scores or AC scores, ACT scores. Yeah, and it's also the case, though, John, that you find that on the financial side of the house, there are some standard measures that you see in financial reports that show up in their annual report. That now, whether or not, here's what's interesting, are you measuring the right thing? Yeah. The fact that you've got these balance sheet and income statements, you compare them year to year, that's independent of whether the thing you're measuring is going to get you towards your goal. Correct. That's really perceptive, Howard. And, and the, the, you know, the total square footage of a campus doesn't tell you anything by itself. Or, you know, in total endowment by itself doesn't mean anything, but endowment per student means a great deal because that's how you buy the margin against schools with, with lesser fortunes, as it were. And so when you, if you talk about resources now, the financial things, and you, you've got resources related to your investment in the academic capability, you know, the teaching environment, you've got resources invested in the, the technology and business services, support for the faculty doing the teaching and the students doing the learning. You've got investments in physical plant, investments in your endowment, investments in fundraising. And see, nobody thinks about fundraising as an asset type quality. And what everyone thinks about the asset there as your annual or capital gift revenue. That's actually an outcome of investment. That's the return from investment return strategy into the asset, which is actually called giving potential. 
just like your endowment is earning potential. Mm -hmm. And just like your physical plant is educational development potential in a sense. But that's a fairly radical concept. And if you actually measured giving potential and then watch the ebb and flows and cultivation efforts, you could see that after a campaign, the giving potential drops because everyone went away for five years and they come back and try and fire the thing up again. I mean, so it's important to measure the right attribute as being a goal. Right. Because there, there are, I mean, the dilemma I've seen in in management retreats, whether it's in profit or, or non-profit, is there is so much you can measure. And what is often left out is the question, what are we driving towards? And that's why, you know, John's got this list of key questions. You know, how good are our students? How good is the education we provide? These are foundational questions that really drive, all right, if we're going to ask the question about how good are our students, what are the what is the criteria we want to use to come up with that? And I think what's compelling about what John's pointing to is not only should every institution be doing this, but there is likely a common framework that should be applied to this across institutions, which would you talk about it as sort of a rising tide is that it benefits everybody. And if we don't do it, and this is what I find so compelling about this, the dialogue with with John, is that we're in danger of competition. And you mentioned earlier over lunch about, you know, people coming from other countries. You know, you well, they, sure they come they came to Babson to learn how Babson did entrepreneurial leadership. And they took it back to Australia and they took it back to Singapore. Right. Why'd they do that? Because they don't want to send the kids here. They want to keep the money home. So there is a global competition going on. It's just happening at a level we don't really see. And the same thing with the for-profit institutions. Their for-profit institutions are buying up our campuses on the margin of failure, buying the accreditation because they don't have to capitalize it. I mean, it's, been, it's pre-established. It's very expensive to do that from scratch. And particularly an institution like Phoenix is using our revenue level with a very different overhead to produce big returns for Absolutely. themselves. I mean, so they're using a tuition shadow of ours to create profit for them without investing in facilities and the companion services. So I think it's very important to understand these components so you can devolve the business strategies of the different institutions. Thank you for joining us for this portion of our conversation with John Elder, Vice President of Administration from the Berkeley College of Music. For more from our conversation with John, please join us at tybalink.com slash podcast or subscribe to the show for free in the iTunes podcast directory. Just search for Navigating Change and you'll make sure you never miss an episode. Again, thanks, and we'll catch you next week on Navigating Change. Mm-hmm.